Welcome to episode 137 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hey. It is Monday night, January 25th, and tonight we're going to have some DC talk. Not the Christian rock band. Some DC comic book talk. We're going to talk about Suicide Squad's latest trailer. We're going to talk about the Wonder Woman footage. And we're going to talk about the mysterious DC rebirth that will be happening on for the comic book line this June. But before we do that stuff, what do we do, Matt? We do housekeeping. With? Ian Sharply. There it is. Hey, it's me. All right. Paul, I really like that DC talk, uh, you, how you tied that together there. That, that was wasn't pre-written there. either. No? That was no, off the top of your off head? Off the top of my head. Yeah. Did you nice. like DC talk? No, I did not. They like had DC one talk. single. It had to be in like 2000, 2001 that I really liked. And then I found out they were Christian rock. And then I feel like We Love Jesus bled into everything they were singing about. Yeah, just as soon and as I you... couldn't escape it. You brought that up, and I'm trying to track down their single. They did have some single out there that I think was pretty mainstream, but yeah. They're a Christian rock rap band. How fucking terrible is that? Only something that could take place in the 90s. Maybe I'm not thinking of DC Talk. No, I gotta be thinking Yeah, DC I think talk. it is. Well, where you won't find Christian rock and rap is at mcsauce.com. You'll find comic strips, you'll find comic book reviews, and you'll also find the podcast that you're listening to right now. Go to mcsauce.com for all the McSauce doings. You can also go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash McSauce. We post all of our updates for our page as well as updates for the friends and family members of the McSauce crew. Uh... Other podcasts like A Fireside Chat, More Than You Can Chew, The Guest Room Podcast. We do all kinds of updates on the Facebook page, so you can check those things out there. To find our podcast, there are a number of ways that you can do it. You can go to Podomatic. You can subscribe through the iTunes Store. You can stream through Stitcher Radio. And you can also find the old classics on mcsaucepodcast.libsyn.com Just today we got asked uh, about some of our some some recommendations of old episodes and uh, for for a long road trip I know that I recommended episode 53 Agents of Sitcom where we broke down different superhero teams and assembled our own teams and also Episode 26, Teeny Tiny Kingpin, the DVD commentary of Daredevil. So, if you're into... Daredevil the movie. Daredevil the movie. So, McSauce... Not a 10-hour podcast of the TV show. Oh, boy. Would that be cool? If you fans out there want us to do something like that, sit around, do commentary to your favorite TV show. Take an entire day. So by the end of the show, we are at each other's throats. If you ever want <laughs> McSauce Podcast to kill itself, then what's a long series that we could do? The fucking first season of Clone Wars. The motherfucker's 22 episodes long, and there's seven seasons of it. It's pretty long, but that's standard cartoon fare. Cartoons usually run longer. That's not true. There were five seasons plus... Like six from the sixth season. That's all. I was like, oh, burn! I'll burn through this Clone Wars stuff pretty quick, and season one just keeps going. So you going. started it. Do you like it? 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm definitely going to finish it out. Um, I think you'll do better than me, then. How far do you get? I got into the third season, and I kind of fizzled. Um, I'm a completist, though. I will finish it even if true. I don't like it. <clears throat> I want to go back and, and keep watching, because I know it gets better. But, man, there's so much filler in that show. Here's what here's what I don't like, <clears throat> and I don't want to get into, like, heavy Star Wars talk, but one thing that stands out to me so far, I've, I've watched, I think, 19 episodes of the first season. Obi-Wan is incredibly white bread, and I know the show's really about Anakin and Ahsoka, but Obi-Wan is so fucking lame. Uh, I don't know if it's the guy that does the voice or the dialogue or just the way the character's treated, but in the prequels... <clears throat> Ewan McGregor is so exciting, you know, he has, you know, like, he, he has such charisma, such presence, but Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars is like, you know what, we need to put this character here just to advance Anakin's story, just to have him, just give this guy some dialogue and Anakin will go do his stuff. I'd like to see some, I want Obi-Wan to be more entertaining, but he's, he's the setup guy for Anakin's punchlines. I haven't really watched a lot of the Clone Wars. I'd love to fight you on this. I know how sensitive mm-hmm. you are about Obi-Wan things, how you could get enraged very quickly, but I'm not just going to fight you on it because I haven't seen it. So, Well, you know, there's. I think there's some listeners out there that, you know, I may hear from after this and say, hey, you're totally wrong. You're an asshole. Do you get that a lot? Because uh, <laughs> I hear that a lot from the listeners about you. That I'm an asshole? Uh, yeah, time a little time. bit. Come to time. You know what, listeners? <laughs> I want you. Let to, him have it. I want you to come to me. If you're gonna blast me and let me have it, let me have it. Don't let Ian have it. He has. He's not responsible for my nonsense antics. Bring it to me. At Gint underscore McSauce on Twitter. You can find me at McSauce at Gmail dot com. Whatever vehicle you want, call me up. Some of you have my number. Send me a text. All if you got beef with the kid, give your beef to the kid. Everyone that has beef with the kid knows you personally, so I'm pretty sure they know how to reach you. Good, bring that heat. Uh-huh. Are we done with housekeeping? <laughs> that, took a, that took a turn. Mm-hmm. Clean. It's clean now. <laughs> yeah. This house is clear. I think, I think housekeeping ended a while ago. Yeah. So last week, DC had their big CW event. Uh, after the mid-season premiere of The Flash they did, they spent a half an hour talking about Suicide Squad debuted the brand new trailer, and they spent a half hour talking about Batman v Superman and the upcoming Wonder Woman movie. Kevin Smith hosted with Jeff Johns. Uh, It really shows you that Kevin Smith is a big, bold personality that likes to be out there, and Jeff Johns likes to be in the back writing comic books. Because as much as I love is Jeff that Johnson, a new his development? Style, his, is chariz- it- his charisma is like Obi Wan in the Clone Wars. <laughs> is that something new that we didn't know, though? I mean, of course. I mean, that <clears throat> Kevin Smith has made his bones on being out in the front. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in, in having the two of them, the contrast between the two of them on stage, Kevin Smith's all hand motions and loud noises and take my money, everything, but (laughs) come on my face, neck, and chest, and Jeff Johns is like, yeah, I think these movies are going to be pretty good. It's pretty good stuff. (laughs) So, Suicide Squad, we saw the trailer that was leaked after Comic-Con, pretty good trailer. We saw all the leaked photos, uh, you know, 
Every, everything that was leaked. <laughs> All the leaked footage. All which the leaked is footage, pretty much yeah. the leaked movie. We know a lot about Suicide Squad. <laughs> not because of what Warner Brothers has chosen to tell us. But this was the official trailer for this movie. Put together with Bohemian Rhapsody. Undercutting it. You know, we get the uh, full neon lights type treatment of the logo. <clears throat> um... What'd you guys think about it? What'd you think, Matt? I think it looks great. It looks like every bit of, I think, what we expected it could be. Maybe and then some. It looks like a lot of the characters are going to have larger-than-life personalities that are just going to like leap off the screen. The Joker, obviously... Who looks like he's going to have a significant amount of screen time, which makes me happy. Uh, Harley Quinn, obviously. But beyond that, you know, even Will Smith's character looks great. Um, I, f- I feel like they're giving Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang the right personality to go along with the first three you mentioned. I think we're going to get something different from each character. It's not going to be like, right. they're all crazy psychos. Right. They're all going to be different. Yeah, I think so too. I hope that we don't like shortchange any so that way others can like be kind of the main character. I, I really hope they all get maybe not necessarily equal time, but I hope they don't go like the Dick Tracy movie route where like half of them get killed off in the first well, Matt, minute. It is Suicide Squad. We're going to lose some of these people. And I think out. and I think we know it's going to be Slipknot and El Diablo that are gonna get killed. Absolutely, I didn't because even know. we we don't even know who they are in comic books. I was gonna ask you, do they have an extensive Suicide Squad history? Do they even exist? Like I didn't know who El Diablo was. No, he looks cool. What I was saying is, I hope that we don't <clears throat> lose these characters a minute in. Yeah, you know they look great and trailers, toys, whatever, but then they're gone before you blink an eye. Like in the movie, in the Dick Tracy movie. Half of the villains like bite it in the first minute in that, that card movie. game scene, right? Yeah, right. Is it Flat Top that takes yeah, them all out? Yeah, highly underrated movie. McSauce fans, go see Dick Tracy. Is it underrated? It. I, I think so. Or is it? Is Just it forgotten? Maybe. Or is it properly rated? I think it's underrated because if it's forgotten, then I don't think that it should be because I think it was a really uh, solid think, I quality movie. I don't think it's movie. forgotten. I see shit about Dick Tracy all the time. <clears throat> what? Where? What, what reality is this? I do all the time, but I have a Dick Tracy bedspread, so... Currently? I currently have a Dick oh, Tracy... On my bed. On my, I have a blanket on my bed that's Dick Tracy. Currently, I'll go home and take a picture of it. Yeah. And, you know right. what? We'll come with you. <laughs> I, 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 if my wife was home right now, I would have her send a picture. I, I currently I, have it. I think I saw Dick Tracy once. Really? In the when did that come out? Like eighty nine, ninety, ninety. Yeah. I, I did must, you not like it? Uh, it was fine. It did nothing for me. Really? Like I don't have any fond memories or any bad memories of it. It was a movie that I watched. I remember bright colors. Bright, very bright colors. It of, was a lot of facial prosthetics. Larger yeah. than life. Over the top, cartoonish. It had such a great aesthetic. The only thing that, like, that I kind of wish, looking back, is that maybe I wish they would have given 
um, Warren Beatty some of the prosthetics as well, so that way he would look kind of weird, just like all the other characters looked weird. Because they did a great job of recreating those characters from the 30s and making them, like, alive. Yeah. But yet, it's like, then you have Warren Beatty running around like... Super handsome. All. It must have been in his contract. He was like, look, Had to be. I have to look fucking I'm great I'm not wearing shit, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, there there are some prosthetics in Suicide Squad. Yeah. At least with Killer Croc. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, there's some that's one look. That's with, one look I don't care for. By the way, is Killer Croc's look. Would you prefer him to be a giant man crocodile? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I I felt that way initially, but the way they're going with this whole universe, I'm okay with this because he is pretty croc-like. And the line in this trailer, where Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flag says, "Well, this guy looks like a crocodile, and he 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 eats people." And I'm like, well, at least they're, like, they're given, it looks like they're going to give Croc the personality that he should have. Right. Unlike Brian Azzarello's Broken City arc, where he was just... A dude uh, with... He was just a pimp with a skin condition. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, that's not what I want. If you're fucking killer Croc, you should be eating people. You're a fucking maniac crocodile. I thought he looked similar to the animated series version of Killer Croc, which is what I would expect from my Killer Croc. So yeah. I thought he looked good. If you're going I thought animated. he looked better than some of the initial stuff that we've seen. If you're going animated Croc, you're going to have to bulk him up like they did with the Hulk because he's a larger-than-life character. But, you know, like they did with King Shark on The Flash. But the way they handled him for Suicide Squad, I'm I'm totally cool with it. I think El Diablo looks great with you know the skull tattoos on his face, even mm-hmm. though I don't expect him to make it out of the first half hour of the movie. Right? Yeah, I don't think he will either. But I mean, that's some of the fun of Suicide Squad. It's a movie that we're gonna <clears throat> that is going to have more stakes than maybe some of the other typical superhero stuff that we're used to. So when somebody bites it. 15 minutes in, it's going to resonate a little bit more, and we're going to be like, oh, shit, well, who else is going to not make it out? obvious comparisons that are going to be made to um, Heath Ledger's Joker. And what I like about the Joker in this is he seems really different. Really, really different. So it's almost like... He, I'm talking about Heath Ledger, but at the same time, it's like it's going to make you not think about that because it'll be so different right. that you can't make those comparisons it's gonna be like apples to oranges yeah i feel like they're at a place with the joker character not only in movies but throughout the history of comic books where you've gotten such a different taste of this character throughout all the years of comics and the different writers that have been on him the different artists that have you know acted him out in the books and we've seen jack nicholson and cesar romero and heath ledger and now Jared Leto. Now, he's a character that can adapt and develop and go through all these different personalities. And every in each one of them is going to be okay. Like, neither, like, yeah, maybe you like Heath Ledger's version better, but there's nothing wrong with Jared Leto's mm-hmm. that we've seen so far. But, like, so far, I think he might be my favorite. That's a bold statement from, you know, what... A couple lines of dialogue and a few pictures? 
And he looks, in the pictures. Yeah, he looks super crazy. And to see him in action and to see those those grills and his mannerisms and the way that he's just super psychotic. It's it's and, and it is so different than all the other psycho versions of the Joker, but it it is pretty delightful. I'm really excited to and that's, see it. And that's part of what I'm taking away from Jared Leto's version is that Cesar Romero's funny. He was, you know, can't be Batman. He's in Scooby-Doo. You know, he's funny. Jack Nicholson, yeah, good, creepy Joker. Super weird prosthetics the whole time. Uh, it was like gangster Joker, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, then you get, to, you get to Heath Ledger, and the scars are creepy, and he's scary. He's absolutely lunatic, loose cannon. You know, scars are creepy. But by the time you get the this Jared Leto version, I mean, he's terrifying. Yeah, like, he is. He just seems so off the handle, like off the rails so like from what we've seen so far. Like we I, I feel like we kind of know what we can expect from this character, but we don't fucking know. And like it's that's the unknown is what makes him super scary. And he's, he's this Joker's frightening to me in a way that no other Joker has been frightening. I think a, a big takeaway about this Joker from this trailer, just judging upon how many times we see different it, clips from different moments of this film where he's in different outfits and doing different things, and it looks like there are different things that have happened to him. Um, it looks like he's going to be in this movie a lot, be it in flashbacks or as the main catalyst, way more than I thought he was going to be in this film. He looks like he's going to be one of the main characters. Is yeah. he part of the Suicide Squad? I don't think so. I think he's probably what the Suicide Squad are after or they're chasing after or something like that. Or the Suicide Squad are after this gang that's wearing all the goofy masks and Joker keeps interfering with what they're doing because of Harley being involved? <clears throat> I don't know. Who knows? Is the Joker the main character? I don't think so. I, I think, think it's I think it's possible. I think it's possible because of how like you just said to your point. Could be. I didn't logistically it kinda doesn't make a ton of sense, but based on the trailer, it totally could be. I think he's going to be the character that everybody's going to latch on to. I mean, it's that he's Harley. absolutely the one that we're all going to remember. From, from this trailer, I, I think you have three main characters. It's the Joker, Harley, and Deadshot. Deadshot. Because you don't, you don't hire Will Smith if he's just going to be part of an ensemble. And Deadshot is going to be, as much as we may not like this, he's going to be the sympathetic character that grounds this team. Oh, into, yeah. Him, he's the hero. Yeah, yeah. As it, much as... The hero you can get in this movie. He's the hero. Yeah. What about Rick Flagg? Well, he is kind of a good guy. He's the one that's in yeah. charge of keeping the Suicide Squad on their mission. He's employed uh, okay. by Amanda Waller. So he's never. he was never a villain. He's right. just in charge of those dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so while Rick Flagg is the, the goody-goody, the focus is going to be Deadshot. That means El Diablo, Katana, Enchantress, Slipknot... They're all cannon fodder mm-hmm. in order to get Harley, Deadshot, and the Joker out alive at the end. But that still have to be the Suicide Squad, where you go on these missions and you still die. Uh, one one thing I that uh, I really liked was 
some of the way the shots were set up, and two of them in particular with the Joker. There's one scene where the camera's looking down on him, mm-hmm. and he's laying laughing like a lunatic, and he has all these knives and guns and weaponry laid out in this huge circle around him. That, and there's a scene where it looks like he's baptizing Harley in the acid that made him who he is. And when you pause the scene, you see those two in the middle. The acid acid's all around them, but you see the colors from Harley's hair like bleeding out symmetrically to, to either side. And I like the I like that visually I can look at this trailer and be like, oh man, that looks really fucking cool. It reminds me of some of the really cool visual things that Zack Snyder's done with Man of Steel. Some of the really cool shots that are in the Batman vs. Superman trailer. And this isn't a versus podcast, but that's something that we don't see from the Marvel movies. We see some really cool stuff in those trailers. One of the things I don't think I ever mentioned on this trailer was in the Civil War trailer. When Cap's holding the railing and pulling a helicopter down just with his bare hands. Awesome. Looks incredible. But it's not it's not artistic. It's not really visually appealing. But what we're getting from the Suicide Squad trailer, including all the neon lights and, you know, the, like the flickering power outage neon of the logo, like, visually, it's very artistic. Even I really the, like it. Even the dinner scene between whatever general, I don't know who he is, and Amanda Waller when they're sitting down and they're talking and you see the just the ambiance of that room, it's very artistic. It even stretches into something else that we're going to talk about later with the Wonder Woman stuff and how visually striking all of that is. DC has made a point to say, we, we're we looking for artists to make these films. Filmmakers, we're not just making movies, we're making film. And that's a, it's a bold statement for us only to have seen one movie, but it looks like everything else is falling in the line that that's something that's really important to them, making it look great. I have to agree. I think that these movies, I don't know who the cinematographer is, but there's clearly an emphasis put on the cinematography in these movies, and it started with Man of Steel. The shot that I always think about is the one where the camera is down at um, Superman's ankles as he's walking um, in in the Arctic, like, uh, I guess, at the Fortress of Solitude, like, after he first kind of experiments with his with his powers you know the scene i'm talking about and the, 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 the cape fluttering and the sunlight is kind of like yeah a bit of a silhouette mm-hmm. and it like when i saw that shot i was like this is going to be something kind of special and it seems like you guys just said the the two trailers that we have to extend the, the cinematic dc universe with Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, it seems like that aesthetic is just as important as uh, as it was for Man of Steel. And that's so great because, Paul, I know you said it's not a versus podcast, but hey, let's compare. We're not. We're just comparing. We're not pitting these two rivals against each other. We're just comparing. Yeah, the Marvel movies kind of have that, like we said it before, that paint by number. Paint by number story-wise, paint by number tonally, and paint by number visually. It's just kind of the way it goes. And I think that 
the DC universe, they're going darker. It's not paint by number, but it's following a similar style. You could see that Suicide Squad, Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, and Wonder Woman, they all fit together in the same universe. It's, it's, it's not a house style, but it has similar threads that go through it. Yeah. It's really interesting that you mentioned Wonder Woman because um, they actually released some new Wonder Woman footage this week, which I just saw for the first time today. What did you think about it? You want me to go first again? I'll Are go you first. Suicide Squad trailer. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you have, have more? Or? I have a couple more points. Oh, you do to make about the Suicide okay. Squad trailer. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Bob. We'll put a pin in in the Wonder Woman talk, listeners. And we'll continue with our Suicide Squad talk. I'm sorry for jumping ahead. I thought you were done. You seemed done based on your body language. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. For the listeners at home, in case you were wondering. Paul looked checked out. He looked like he was ready to move on to to no, greener no. pastures. Okay. Come on. Oh. I could spend this whole fucking hour talking about Suicide Squad. Well, go, give us a couple more nuggets. Well, we talked about a lot of positives. I'll talk about one more positive. I mentioned it briefly earlier. I really like the way they're treating Captain Boomerang. Mm -hmm. Because that's a really silly character. His name's Captain Boomerang. I mean, that's that's enough to be really fucking goofy. But the way they're having Jai Courtney play him way over the top. As soon as they let him out of that bag in the courtyard, he immediately goes after after a guard. He's in his cell, just letting loose, screaming at the camera. Like, complete loose cannon in the beginning of, the, of that trailer. And then it looks like he breaks off mission to sneak a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, I, I really like the way they set all these characters up. We don't really know anything about El Diablo. He looks like he can create fire. Uh, I know Katana because I know DC Comics and whoever she kills. She looks amazing. Whoever she can. What's... And I, Maybe by the time the Suicide Squad comes out, they will get to this in Arrow, because Katana's been in Arrow, or at least her her civilian form has been in Arrow, but we haven't seen the sword yet. And what happens with Katana and the sword is that whoever she kills, the sword takes that person's soul and it becomes like part of her. And they clearly hinted at that in the trailer where you can kind of see like a, a spirit or something floating in front of the right. sword. And, and they've done such a good job in this trailer really defining who each character is. We don't know anything about Enchantress, but the effect that's placed on her with like kind of all the floating ash that's around Do her you all like the time, that? If I had something that I didn't like, I it would it, be. I think it's that. interesting. I think it's interesting. I think it's a bit much. Yeah? Yeah, it kind of it was kind of pig pen-ish to me. <laughs> I didn't really dig She's it. She's a filthy much. witch. I get it. <clears throat> I didn't need to see it like that. I'm sure it'll be fine, but if I had to nitpick, I didn't like that all that much. And I was really excited about that character. I don't know much about her, so I wanted to learn more, and that scene I was just like, "Oh, that's kind of cheesy." One thing I... Well, the only two things I really didn't like about it was the way they used Bohemian Rhapsody. I the thought they cat. cut it up too much. That it really? would have been more effective huh. if... They, they didn't cut the... Tra- it was like they cut the song to fit the trailer right. and not the trailer to fit the song. And there are some really cool parts where, like, 
the gunfire matches mm-hmm. the the drum beats, and the the cutting of the scenes match the rhythm of the song. And watching it back a couple times today, like I picked up on that more than the first time, and that's really neat. But at the same time, I feel like there were just too many breaks. You you start getting into the mood of the song with the trailer, and then all of a sudden it cuts, and the song ends, and then Captain Boomerang's having a beer, and then it jumps back into it. I felt like there were just way too many cuts for it to be a really smooth trailer in that regard. I thought at least the use of Bohemian Rhapsody was excellent for this trailer because the Suicide Squad is sort of like a manic group of people that are all over the place. That song is kind of, you know, changes and shifts all over the place. I thought it fit the tone of Suicide Squad really well. Um, I didn't have a problem with the way it was cut up. I thought it was really cool. Even when they're the shivers down my spine and he's in the the water tank and they're letting him out and like yeah. I thought they tied a lot of the lyrics in really cool with the action that was taking place. So what I thought worked well with that song is that between the ups and downs of you know the quiet parts and then you know the rocking out part, it really lends itself to what we're getting from these characters is that you get some crazy and you get some normal guys and it's up and down with these characters just like the song goes is that what you just said um it, yes but i like that he backed me okay i got your back Thank that's you. what we do here <coughs> what, not that's usually. absolutely <laughs> not what we do here what i what i didn't like was i felt here the, we go okay i felt the worst heroes ever was forced but I they have like, to do that right i feel like it's an answer to deadpool um, I think that this was closely tied to Guardians. I feel like this is a combination answer hmm. of the use of lesser-known characters that are kind of quirky and offbeat and sort of bad a little bit, combined with the choice to go with a classic rock um, song for the trailer, I think is very similar to what Guardians was and some of the things that people held on and took away from Guardians, um, that sound. I'm not saying that David Ayer is going to have uh, Queen do the entire soundtrack to Suicide Squad, but I think that that's a specific choice that was made to align it with something that was very successful for Marvel. That's very similar to what DC is doing. That's an excellent point, Ian. Oh, thank you. That's that's what I do here is make excellent points. Absolutely, on point tonight, sir. Matt, would you agree with that? Yeah. Do you think... Is Guardians too far behind us for Suicide Squad to be making a a comparison to Guardians? I don't think so. People still... People still talk about Guardians. People still talk about that soundtrack and how much they liked it. There's three things that people remember from Guardians. Rocket Raccoon, Groot, and the soundtrack. I That's what they say. Oh, Star Lord. People really I was like to say Groot wait, with the let, soundtrack and time out. Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean But I, I like what I said better because it sounds like they could retitle it. Not the Guardians of the Galaxy, but Rocket Raccoon Groot in the soundtrack. That could be the name. See I I, I still feel like this is more in response to Daredevil, which is also or or Deadpool. Deadpool. Which is coming out this year. It's not a, it's not an MCU property. It's not a Marvel Cinematic Universe property, but it's still competition for Warner Brothers and DC. 
And, I mean, Deadpool is pulling out all the stops. The branding and promotion for Deadpool has been out of this world. I hate Deadpool. I don't like Ultimate Deadpool. I've never liked Deadpool, but I'm going to see this movie. Because I'm it looks jazzed really for Deadpool. Good. Yeah. Well, all the, all the marketing that's been done for it, uh, whenever they did the Australia Day clip, uh, like, it's been... It's all been really fucking good. It's, it looks really funny. And I feel like... and it, I, it seems like they let Deadpool do whatever Deadpool wants to do. Like, yeah, let's just go nuts with the marketing. The, the movie's going to be crazy. And Warner Brothers is like, we need to combat this. But we're Warner Brothers, so we can't really do this the way they're doing it. But we can put Worst Heroes Ever in there. And we can spell out to the audience that... If you think Deadpool's a questionable anti-hero, these guys are the worst heroes ever. And I'm like, don't even say that. Just let the... This movie looks so fucking cool already. All the aesthetics of it, all the characters, like everything looks so good already. You don't, don't spell anything out. It's almost like Batman v Superman trailer, giving up too much. You don't don't spell it out. Just let people be surprised um, by what this movie is gonna give. You. Amazingly, I know we talk a lot about how much Suicide Squad has spoiled things for us, and we've seen a lot of it. I still feel like they've held back a little bit more than what Batman v Superman has. So, like, I, there's still a lot out there that I'm wondering about Suicide well, Squad because Batman v Superman told us the plot, and Suicide Squad hasn't. Yeah, yeah. Of all the stuff we've seen... But we've seen a lot. Oh, right. But we still don't know what the plot yeah. is. What do we think of Harley in this trailer? Harley Quinn come to life. I don't know. I mean... Do you think so? I think it's interesting that she yeah. didn't go... That Margot Robbie chose to not go hard with that accent. That she kind of has backed off of it a little bit. Because I don't know if you can... It I don't know if you can do that accent. It wouldn't translate, yeah. I don't think, to live action the way it works in in animation did you have a problem with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn no but not really okay that doesn't sound but I feel like there's genuine no I feel like there's potential for alright halfway into the movie alright I'm done with this character let's let's focus on some other ones that are like... Have you seen things that make you feel that way? Because I had reservations about Daisy Ridley going into Star Wars. Ian, why? Because she seemed bland? Because of certain delivery certain of certain heavy words. accents. Family. That's right. I know about white Yeah. So... That's why. You, <laughs> and that was it? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, you saw just a little bit, and I was like, uh, uh-oh. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, boy, am I stupid. Cause well, they pack those awesome. They pack those two lines in back-to-back. Back they really do, life. yeah. And those are kind of the weirdest, clunkiest lines. But that was also edited in a bizarre way in that trailer. Yeah. Like they, they were closely linked in the movie, but... They were even more closely linked in the trailer where they just spliced them right together and it was odd. I think Harley's going to have a lot of cool stuff. I think that her story with the Joker... The Joker is the thing that I think we're all really excited to see, but Harley's 
right tied into everything that's going to be happening with him. And I think her story and her origin story, as you kind of hinted at with what we're seeing from that like baptism yeah. and acid bath kind of thing, I think we're going to get a lot out of that. Maybe more so that we've gotten from Harley and any other thing that we've seen her in. I mean, like, I, I really hope the way the characters portrayed surprises me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a huge... I'm not a huge New Age Harley fan. Agreed. Animated series Harley? For days. All, all day, all night. But this new version with the little pants and the dyed hair... I agree like with you, the, Paul, but what do you really think the animated series-style Harley would work live-action? No. I don't. And this is the right call for where they're going with this character. Mm-hmm. And I think they're gonna do a good job with it. So you I just, just don't think, think the character. I just don't think this new version of Harley is for me. You know what I'm saying? Based on, like, I think at some point in this movie, I'm gonna be over Harley. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, when I think the new version, I think, like, kind of the way she is in DC Comics, kind right. of the way that she is in the video yeah, game, exactly. And she's a total, like, fucking dominatrix skank slut thing. In this, she's not quite there. Like, she's wearing some scantily clad clothes, but it's, like, shorts. It's a t-shirt and a jacket. Like, it's not, like, total skank. She's not wearing lingerie, which is her outfit. No, and don't get me wrong. I've got no problem with skanks. But I feel like... My beef is not with you, I feel like her, her attitude and the delivery and the way she's probably going to be the comedic influence mm-hmm. of a lot of the movie. I think well, her at name some is point, Harley Quinn. I feel like at some point I'm going to be like, okay, let's let's back off it. I'm ready to go do some other stuff. Okay. No? Um that's not a fear that I have. Um As a matter of fact, other than not totally liking Killer Croc's look, I have Zero issues with what I've seen so far. Zero. And that includes the Joker's tattoos. That includes the neon lights. I, some people... Some people are losing their shit over people that. People don't like the neon lights. They I thought that was a great touch. They them of um, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Really? What? This th- There's nothing that could be further away from Batman Forever than the Suicide yeah, Squad. Yeah, I, I heard someone made a Schumacher and, reference. Yeah, and I don't and just because of the it's colors of the logo. Yeah, because well, nothing else in that trailer. No, not really. Looks Schumacher. It's at neon all. in that like sleazy 1980s New York like hookers are, and Harley, dope kind Harley of Quinn's way. Colors. Like they're it, Harley Quinn's colors from the movie. It, it doesn't come off as like anything no, from the old. Batman if anything, movies. it reminds me of Punisher Warzone. Uh, which was like one of the most violent of superhero <laughs> movies. Did you guys ever see that? I saw some of it. There's a sequence where Punisher holds up a shotgun and shoots a guy in the face at point blank range, and his face gets blown off. It's such a great like moment. That movie, it's bad, but holy shit, the deaths in it are so <laughs> good. And maybe that's why I gravitate toward the way the the logos being handled with the colors. And the like, the shitty spotty neon lightness of it all is that it's like just 
dirty, shitty strip club. Because I feel like somebody... Adult Mart type sign. Yeah, like no. somebody underneath that skull I is said, getting a blowjob. That speaks to me. <laughs> so, wait, let me rephrase that. Somebody's paying for a blowjob underneath the lights. Yeah, it just looks It's fucking, seedy it, and gross. It does. It looks seedy. It looks slimy. It looks dirty. And, like, that's what... That's what these guys are. Like, you know... I don't, I don't want this movie to lose sight of the fact that these are bad guys. You're going these, to need Will Smith to be a good guy. Can you deal with that? Because he is. He's going to yeah, be a good yeah, guy. Ab- absolutely. But, like, this isn't Rocket Raccoon that has a heart of gold mm-hmm. with a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. That's essentially Han Solo. Han Solo is alpha hero. But, mm. like... The Joker, Captain Boomerang, uh, Killer Croc, traditionally in the comics, Deadshot. I mean, these are bad dudes. Like these are not, these are not heroes. These aren't. These guys aren't even as good as Deadpool. Like for all intents and purposes, Deadpool's just uh, Deadpool's a hero with a mental problem. Like Deadpool's right? saving these, someone. These people are being forced. To do some shit, or their heads will explode. And, there, and there's there's the the scene in the in the Deadpool trailer where, you know, the guy falls off the bridge, and Deadpool's like, "Well, he was there when I got here," but that's a bad guy. Like, that's not some that's not some random lady that just fell off the bridge. Yeah. But like, Killer Croc would let some random lady fall off a bridge. Like, He'd let some random lady fall into his mouth so he can have a snack. Right. Like these are not. <laughs> good guys by any stretch and i hope the storytelling and david Ayer are really able to straddle the line of keeping these guys bad guys and girl but keeping them charismatic and likable at the same time like hans gruber that's a fucking bad guy he's a bad guy he's an evil villain but you like him r.i.p hans gruber Anyway, Are you ready we, for Wonder Woman? We need to move on, yeah. So, Wonder Woman, they released a pretty substantial little preview of it. Not a trailer, but... Would you call that substantial? For a movie that's not coming out for how many years? Two? One? Two? It's over a oh, year away, right? right? It's next you summer. You don't know? Aren't you a DC guy? <laughs> Aren't you DC talk? Why don't you let me look this up? Okay, anyway. Yeah, 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 Matt. I'm not gonna walk on my keyboard like horse. The surprising thing is that they have so much filmed already. Right. It wasn't like they grabbed. Oh, we have this one scene finished. They were pulling from all over the movie, different scenes, different sequences. June, it's like June twenty third, twenty seventeen. That's a year and a half away, man. Like, yeah, that's pretty substantial for a year and a half away. If that was cut differently, that could have been a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess substantial from a sense of this is what's been filmed and what's been put through the post production ringer mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. But as far as substantial as what this shows us or what this tells us, I mean, it doesn't tell. Obviously us not. But it it's a substantial amount of footage that we saw for something so far away. Right. Seemingly finished footage. So yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I got you. So this seemingly finished footage looked pretty good. 
It looked pretty good. DC is bringing it in the cinematic universe. Classic DC desaturation? Yes. Colors? Fuck colors. It was a black and white movie that they're previewing. DC Stanford doesn't like colors. (laughs) Wait, where's the L? It's silent. (laughs) uh, It's silent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. But yeah, so DC's feature film, black and white movie, Wonder Woman. Uh, Man, I've turned completely around on Gal Gadot. A year ago this time, I think we were all shouting her down, talking about how she was too skinny and she was just some dumb whore from the Fast and the Furious franchise. I'm pretty sure her down. I'm confident that we did. I don't think we shouted her down. I just think we were like, we don't know anything about this chick. What's this? We don't. We didn't know enough to shout her down. Yeah, we, we were just questioning. I, when has that ever stopped us? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but I'm I'm completely turned around. She looks, and and maybe it's all camera tricks and CGI <laughs> and slow motion. But she looks For fucking the lack of color. <laughs> maybe it's the black and white feel. The scene but is- she looks powerful. She looks like a warrior. She's fucking beautiful. That those are all great things. I they um, something that we didn't watch tonight. They interview her a little bit, and she's talking, and I'm sure that she has her accent, which I think that goes a long way to make Wonder Woman ethnic and yeah. somebody that's not just be. yeah, somebody because she's from the Mediterranean, and she should have those characteristics. And that actress is from there. Maybe that's was part Wonder of the reason Woman's why they from, select. Uh, forgive my ignorance. She's from the Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Themyscira is supposed to be around Greece and Rome, right? Is that... And that's the Mediterranean? I'm sorry. I thought she was... That's an Amazon? She is an Amazon, but she's from Themyscira, which is in or fictionally around Rome and Greece. Because those are the gods that she's associated with? Yeah, I guess so. Because her her father is uh, Zeus. Zeus. Which is it, why I always like the the animated Wonder Woman solo movie, where she had very the design was she had very prominent uh, like Greek and Italian features because yeah. that's where she's from, kind of sort of. And in the Secret Six, um, in her oh appearance, Nicola, Nicola Scott, Scott yeah. draws her. That's probably my favorite Wonder Woman of all time. Yeah. She looks like she's a Greek goddess. And that's awesome. And that's right. the way she should right. look. It's a good and, that, call. and that's the way that Gal Gadot looks in this like little trailer. Yeah, she piece. has a, a very good look. Like her her facial features are like, holy shit, that is totally Wonder Woman. Like it's amazing the how one perfect scene, she looks. The one scene that really sold me on what this girl may be capable of is the brief scene where she's looking in a mirror and it looks like she's trying on glasses yeah and she just kind of stops and there's just a subtlety in the way she looks at herself and tilts her head and i'm like huh she totally fucking sold that like i expect the horseback riding and sword fighting and the way that fucking ass looks tight in that little skirt (laughs) But <laughs> that slow motion skirt wagging. But she pulls off like the hat and the glasses and the mirror and there's a like I can't even think of the fucking word, but there's there's an internal 
something inside that look with herself. And I'm like, man, maybe she's maybe these filmmakers know what they're doing. I still think they seem to. I still think Chris Pine is wasted as Steve Trevor. Maybe he wasted. Maybe he didn't want to commit to a big long DC feature, you know, future Mm -hmm. films obligation. One of Steve Trevor is important to the story of Wonder Woman, so maybe he felt like that. But he's important to the story of Wonder Woman, like Peggy Carter is important to Captain America. Yeah, it's great that we're getting more Haley Atwell and Agent Carter, but the way one of the things the new Fifty Two did kind of neat was that they made it all modern so that Steve Trevor is a contemporary of the present day Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman so that when they need government help, Steve Trevor's the liaison so if they translated the current New 52 you could have Chris Pratt and Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill but this way, I mean by the time you get to Batman v Superman dude's been dead for or he's at least a hundred years but, old. But they probably want to have somebody, that love interest, that, that interest to ground her, the catalyst for her to change her mind about the world of men. They need Steve Trevor there. Yeah, you need Steve Trevor. But And I understand why you use Chris Pratt. Super uh, dreamy. Right, super dreamy. He's going to hook it up. But maybe this goes back to a little butthurtness on my part that I really wanted him to be the new Hal Jordan. The Ryan Reynolds joint didn't work out. We're rebooting all this. Chris Pine would be the perfect Hal Jordan. If you wait long enough, maybe you'll get your your true dream, Zac Efron, to be oh! Hal Jordan. There's some rumors out there that Scott Eastwood, who's featured in the Suicide Squad trailer, maybe... The one thing that I wanted to mention... Wait, wait, wait. He may be what? He may be Hal Jordan. In the Suicide it's Squad? Ru- it's rumors. Okay. That's what people are saying. Oh, all right. It's rumors. Do they look... Is that all right? Yeah, it's Hal yeah. Jordan. It's all right. Yeah. Well, I, got, I like Chris Pine. I know Chris Pine. And, like, I want... I like Chris Pine enough that I want him to be a bigger part of the DCU. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like he's going to be in Wonder Woman, maybe the sequel, and then he's done because he's going to be an old man chronologically. Yeah. Right. So, overall, we're happy with the Wonder Woman footage? I'm happy with everything DC is releasing, pretty much. The only thing that set me back a few paces was uh, the latest Batman v Superman trailer, which, ever since then, with the TV spots that have come out, I'm starting to come back around on that one. I have one last thing to say about Wonder Woman. I'll make it really quick. Yeah. I just wanted to add this that they did shift some of Wonder Woman's origin story around in a way that I find really interesting because it's history. They shifted from World War II to World War One because World War II is universally seen as a just war with clear good guys and bad guys. World War One is mired in political intrigue and the worst things that people can possibly do. Political drama, everybody's a villain. Mustard is- gas. Mustard gas. All kinds of terrible things happening in the world of men. And this is the world that, Di- that Diana is sent to, to save. And she sees it and she says, these fuckers aren't worth saving. That's where Steve Trevor comes in. To you, it looks like my eyes are open, but I'm sleeping right now.
That was my favorite thing about the news about Wonder Woman. I'm that so they're glad shifting we went it back for that to World War One. Are, are you sure there's not another really uninteresting tidbit that you want to cover before we move on? It actually makes a big difference in the story of Wonder Woman. But we can now go on to some boring stuff about Batman and Superman. Well, Batman and Superman are involved. We assume. Yeah. In our third point of yeah. this episode. Last week, Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns and Jim Lee... The Trinity of DC Comics creative at this point all released an image of a blue curtain with the words rebirth. Oh my god, what does that mean, Paul? What does that mean? Who the fuck knows? No one knows. It's all speculation, it's all rumor at this point. Alright, well, Ethan Van Skyver's involved somehow. Uh,. After the the number 52 issues of the ongoing books that have been going since 2011, this June, everything gets rebooted, everything's getting... Reborn, if you will. Reborn, rebirthed. DC's relaunching, seems to be relaunching their line. No one knows anything yet. There are some books that are going to carry over. DC just announced Bloodlines in old 90s book with some new shitty characters yeah bloodline bloodlines i believe was kind of like the annuals for like the year 1994 all the annuals went under the moniker of bloodlines it was like yeah, an, it, it was like a 92 book. i don't remember that's why i'm looking at you like this i don't they remember were, it at all they introduced characters named like razor sharp and sparks with x oh like, jesus christ was that the private image names yeah, well, it was it was during the era of image yeah. coming into the. I don't remember well, this for Jay, whatever like, reason. In I, in a couple weeks, I think the first issue's coming out. Uh, J T. Kroll's relaunching Bloodlines as a new like six issue mini, but it's gonna be like a John Carpenter Stephen King kind of horror book. Okay. Getting away from the super nineties superhero aspect of it, so there's gonna be certain books that follow along if a book like Prez is still doing well into June like I'm yeah. sure that'll keep going on yeah but the bulk of DC superheroics you know all the like Justice League titles Green Lantern Green Arrow all that stuff speculation is it's gonna be rebooted in June in number one so we're gonna relaunch the universe like they did in 2011 relaunch relaunch or go back to the status quo what it was before the new 52 i expect it to be a rebirth as they're titling it like they did with green lantern rebirth and flash rebirth rebirth has become a big name in the dc colloquialism as crisis has become like if someone drops crisis and, a DC and i thought book, ian's history talk was boring it was super interesting. I loved it. Why are they doing this, Paul? Because DC sales are in the toilet, and they need to do something. So they found a new word that's not crisis to rebrand on. Why don't they just call it all new, all so different DC comics? Because Marvel already took that. They already have that corner of the market, right? right? How about now they do the all thing. different, all new? Here, Right, or totally different. Brand new. Super new, super different. So here's the thing, right? 
This is clearly what Marvel Comics do right now, where they relaunch their titles at number one, and they call them, like, relaunches or whatever. There's no reason for it, right? Marvel does it every 12 issues. They just relaunched Silver Surfer last week. Okay? It's a great jumping on point. That's fantastic. I look at it, same fucking artist, same fucking writer, same storyline, same characters. Why did you relaunch it? What is the point? And that's part of the problem I have with whatever this potential rebirth stuff is. Is One of the reasons I got into DC Comics in the first place was because of that rich history. It felt like there was a legacy. You, you're, you're not there at the groundwork. You're kind of like jumping on as the speeding train is going by. Yeah. And, and part of the in. fun is catching up and finding out exploring well, the what history. happened here. Well, why does this matter? Well, who is this guy? Yeah, I got in in 2001. I got the DC encyclopedia that they released that year or, or the year after. Which is now null and void. Yeah, which you know outlined all the worlds and all the characters and all the history of the universe. Going ah, the to, history of the universe. So 1938 That's good shit. up till... Up till 2001. Mm-hmm. And, like, all that stuff was so interesting to me. Like, I felt like I was being indoctrinated in, into a world that was bigger than myself. Like, well, yeah, I, was, you... I was earning this. Like, I was earning the the right to read about these characters. Like, because at the, at the time, Barry Allen hadn't been brought back. Hal Jordan hadn't been brought back. So I had me with characters like Tim Drake and uh, Bart Allen. Like... With those characters, I had only heard stories of the greatness whispers. of these former heroes. Yeah. Whispers. And it felt like it was so gratifying to when I finally saw these characters and I understood who they were and I got the references. All this rich history made such a big deal. And now, like, I don't think we're ever going to get that again because it seems like Marvel and DC are set on relaunching every. What every every five years? Yeah, I mean, and with Marvel, what every two weeks? I think it's every issue. What Marvel basically has relegated themselves is every issue that they come out with is number one. It is a joke of a company, and and I cringe that DC is kind of following suit. But do they even have a choice? Because Marvel Comics number one sells so well, it's like. Marvel's completely sold out, and they're willing to to um, do number ones every every year. Really, like that's not an exaggeration to say they do it once a year. And at least DC like only did it once, right? But like now they're doing it all. Well, now it looks like they're going to do it again. And you know, if they do it again, now they're setting a precedent. Like like you said, Paul, every five years, that's just not okay. It feels like a worse version of. What happened in the 90s with all the foil stamp covers and the collector's editions and because all those did. things. Like, it's it's that, but it's it, it's all that gimmick re-wrapped up with, oh, well, we're also going to fuck with this story. Because at least whenever you're doing foil stamp covers and die cuts and things like that, at least the story inside was like the same story. It was the same characters. It was the same thing, kind of, like... It, but now it's like, well, we're just going to change it because, um, you know, a movie came out and some new kids might come and check out this book sometime. Meanwhile, and who knows? We're not catering to you. Long I don't even think fan. that movies are driving comic sales at all. 
I don't believe that they do. Second, that's one of the rumors tied to this rebirth. Is that DC is going to be more closely tied to their movie and TV properties than ever before, which I think is fucking terrible. That's a bad move for them. I agree. I agree. Um... I had a point. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. I'm trying to recapture. True. We're in a golden age. Halcyon days of movies and television for the comic book set. But I feel like movies and TV are fleeting. We're in a phase right now where everyone's into this stuff. The general public is into this stuff. But that general public is not comic book readers. You have, like... You have people that have read comics their entire life. That are going to keep reading comics their entire life. You have guys like me who show up late to the game but get indoctrinated. It's not so crazy for people to come out of nowhere in their late 20s and start reading comics. Yeah, it's not the giant numbers that these comic companies want, but it happens. But the people that are into The Flash, the people that watch Green Arrow because Stephen Amell's got great abs, they're not going out to buy the comics. Whether you put Stephen Amell's face on them or not, they're just not doing it. Have they tried putting Stephen Amell's abs on these comic books? I think that that would work. Same with same with the the Marvel books. As charming as... They could be embossed covers. Oh, how sick would that be? Yeah, like what, foil stamped no, no, abs. Spot varnish, so that way it feels kind of wet. Ooh, sexy. The embossed You're varnish. welcome, DC. DC. You're welcome. So, can, I just speaking of like gimmick covers and everything, I'll be honest with you. I feel like like renumbering shit at number one like this is basically the 21st century's answer to. Foil stamped covers, embossed covers, die cut covers, poly bag comic books. It, it's it's all gimmicks to sell the books. When the fuck are they just going to write good stories and draw good stories? Like, instead, it's one gimmick after another. It's sickening. I don't understand why Marvel and DC don't look at something like Saga. That's one of the best books of the last so many years. Why? Because it's a cohesive story. Because you get the same creators involved. From, you know, issue number one up through... What are they on? 19? 20 at this point? It's up there. High. But, like, DC and Marvel don't seem to want to put the commitment with creators on a book and just let them tell a story. Mm-hmm. Like, you get run around a story then it's like, oh, we want to do... This crazy, you know, Green Lantern off this other fucking world bullshit that goes I against how everything. Things. Everything you've known about Green Lantern before, but we're gonna tie all the books into this. Just no, just fucking stop. Just let creators create. Just let these guys tell their story for a long period of time. That's that. W- that's what was working before. Like yeah, DC, you're number two. Tough tits, but. You're a solid number two. You are number two. And nobody's going to come in and take that from you. Right. But now, you decide, you fucking flip the fucking table. You're throwing everything out the window. And now, where are you? Now, like, dynamites selling more books than you. 
because you fucked up so much shit. So what are you going to do? Wait, 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 is that true is, or are you, you just pulling being, that out of your that, ass? I'm pulling that out of my ass. I'm pulling well, that out of my ass. Okay. But DC sales are at an all-time low. Are they? I mean, they're fucking bad. They're Even if they're at an all-time low, the gap between two and three, typically, is pretty large. But it's not that large anymore. Well, because, like, Image keeps coming out with shit that just... Like, Image just keeps making good shit. I don't know if it's the the creative structure over there, if it, it's the creators. It's a creator owned thing. It's creator owned. If you can make the money off of your creation, you own it. Because the comics and the stories with Image or other independent publishers like Valiant don't feel like they're corporate driven. Like they feel like they're just telling stories. There it doesn't feel like there's any kind of bullshit agenda leading to some kind of fucking dumb event. Or other kinds of like publisher agendas. Looking at you, Joe Casada, you know stuff like that. It's just quality stories. Like if they killed Marco off in Saga, I would feel like that's a that's something that came it's organically a, yeah. out of the plot. And Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples got together and then said, "This is right for the story." Not. Want to be fucking awesome when Saga Number One comes out next year? Right. We fucking remarket it and rebrand it. Marvel and DC are corporations that happen to make comic books. Image, Valiant, IDW are companies that make comics. Yeah, and I, I feel like up until the New Fifty Two, that's what DC was doing. Like there was a really good run of books. They let Jeff Johns do whatever the fuck he wanted on Green Lantern. Maybe for, that wasn't a great for idea. For like nine years. Oh, on Green Lantern, right? Right, and it and it was really good for like eight of those nine years. But it's almost like because of that success, now DC is in dire straits. Almost yeah, as a result. But it wasn't a. It wasn't DC's not in dire straits because of what Jeff Johns did on Green Lantern. DC's in dire straits is because like right now. They're trying to mimic some of Marvel's art style. Oh, fucking Fraction in Asia's Hawkeye's doing great. We ought to do that. Oh, Ms. Marvel's doing this. We ought to try doing that. Oh, but Arrow and Flash are doing so good. We need to make Green Arrow mimic Arrow more. And everything is just off in these different directions. Whereas before that, DCU was just going along like a smooth river. Right, but that was before they made Jeff Johns the chief creative officer, whatever the hell no, his title is. Jeff was. Johns has never been involved. Jeff Johns has never been the head of the comics. It's Dan DiDio who's been the CEO. He's been the Joe Casada DC. Mm-hmm. And the co Dan DiDio's been publisher, co publisher, with Jim Lee as co publisher. What is Dan DiDio's? Didio's? Didio. What's Dan Didio's background? Was he a was he a comic guy? Was he a writer? Was he a, an artist, an inker, maybe? A I letterer? I don't. I have no idea. Did he where type it, up the letters? I have no columns? idea where he came from. But get him, him out of there. Him and Jim Lee together are the Joe Casada, or now the Axel Alonso of he was, the DC universe. Dan Didio was in television beginning in nineteen eighty one. He, was, <laughs> he needs to go. He was, yeah, you know what he, he is. That's you true. know what he is. Let me. I'm going to throw a sports reference out. It's not hockey, so just bear with me, Paul. Ian, you're going to know this one. I forget his his last name. Uh, he was the GM for the Detroit Lions. Matt. Matt Millen. Matt, Matt, Matt Millen. 
He Dan Didio is the Matt Millen of the comic books of the comic book world. In that, wow. kind of a nice guy. You kind of like him, right? DC never had an own 16 right season, so I think that they're doing a little bit better. Uh, than yes, the... they did, and it was called Convergence. Was that their own 16? That was season? their own 16 season. Um, yeah, I mean that's a good analogy. Um, I think that Dan DiDio has done some good things as a publisher of DC Comics. But um, uh, much what, like wait, Matt, wait, Matt, what, Matt Miller, what are those? What are those? What are those? He's he's been in charge of DC Comics since 2004. There have been some good books uh-huh. since 2004. So, so is it Jim Lee? Maybe did did they give Jim Lee the keys of the castle prematurely? Like, hey Jim Lee, you drew Batman wonderfully and made this incredible storyline, um, the the Hush storyline. Mm-hmm. So therefore. Uh, you, here, you can draw a Superman story that's just as long, not quite as well received, and now you're going to run the company. Well, I think that is a big por- part of it. We all have mentioned before that we didn't like that u- the uniformity of the costumes coming out of the New 52, and right. it's been widely publicized that that's Jim Lee as sure. chief creative or whatever. He was in charge if- of, I don't know what his official title in the new 52 was but he was in charge of steering the design of all those costumes and that Dan was Didio one and part Jim of it. Lee have got to go they really do it, you know what it makes me think like what if dc had never bought wildstorm jim lee would still be with image comics doing his thing with them and creating his own characters and not ruining the legacy characters that up until jim lee got his hands on them had withstood well like Let's not throw all the blame on Jim Lee. This isn't just Jim Lee or Dan DiDio making decisions. DC I'm isn't... I'm willing to blame whoever I need to. Go ahead. DC Go. isn't the atmosphere that Marvel is of... You get a couple guys in a room. You know, you go on the Marvel retreat. Everyone has a good time. You know, like, DC gets more interference from the people above... Editors. Dan DiDio... And Jim Lee. Really? About, do you think Dan DiDio and Jim Lee are the ones saying, you know what, let's make DC Rebirth focus on Grant Gustin and Stephen Amell? Well, I don't even want to make that comparison because we don't know what Rebirth is DC's, yet. DC's always had a problem with greater ownership management. Okay, but Jim Lee and Dan DiDio were responsible for the new 52. Oh, yeah, they got to they gotta go. And, and those hideous costume designs. Yeah, but it wasn't just those guys. It was those guys. Cully Hamner played a huge role in that. Jeff Johns had a hand in rebuilding the, the new 52. Like, it's a whole team effort over there. Mm-hmm. It's not unilaterally one guy saying, Mary Jane and Peter Parker's marriage is stupid. Undo it. I don't care how you do it. Just undo it. Like, it's, oh, it's too many cooks in the kitchen at DC. Like the so co- they need, they the need co- a guy publishership that... of Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, I don't fucking give a shit how many issues of X-Men you drew or sold in the 90s. You're not cut out for this job. You draw some really cool stuff, all your guys' faces look the fucking same. <laughs> has nothing to do with any part of your... your right, your exactly, party. yeah. But it has nothing to do with what you're doing now. Like, I don't think Jim Lee was qualified... For this job, I think well, Dan DiDio was he more did run, qualified. He did run his imprint himself, 
Wildstorm, correct? I mean, he did kind of run his own small publishing company. Sure. Sure. I still don't think either one of them are really qualified for the job that they're doing. I think Danny Dio is more so, and his heart is in the right place. But, like, like most, like any comic creator that gets into these higher-up roles where they get these decisions put on them, it's personal preference at that point. Then you get a fucking OMAC comic book in the mid-2000s. Yeah, Who the fuck wants to read OMAC? Right, it's like... Dan common, DiDio wants to read It's OMAC. like common sense, right? Yeah. Who, who had a problem with Mary Jane and Peter Parker being married? Just Joe Casada, but he's making the decisions. They're done. So, like, but it, it all goes back to And time. it happens in such a stupid way, too. Not to, like, go back and, like, harp on that, because we've done it to death, but, like, why not just have him get a divorce? Why do you have to, like, Because it has it to be the devil! It has to be evil! Because Peter Parker's a good Christian boy, and he doesn't is he get Christian? a divorce. We don't know what his religion is, do we? Well, he's probably he's Jewish, a, growing up in Queens. You racist. Let's I, go with all-American. How about that? Is Peter Ma- Parker all-American? Can we all say American that? values. He, yeah. he doesn't divorce. <laughs> he doesn't get a divorce. And that was one of the reasons they said as to why they didn't just divorce them, why they went through all these hoops. That's but the that's point, enough to just stop reading. Right. But the Which point, I did. The point is, a leadership at DC is bad. The wrong decisions are being made. Jeff Johns, for as great of ideas as he has, like he's he's handling all the other shit at this point. He's uh, chief entertainment officer, or chief creative officer, or something. Yeah, he's drawing some books, but he's Jeff not. Johns? Or he's he's writing some books. Sorry. Okay. He's writing some books, but ultimately he's responsible for making sure Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow and Flash and all the movies that are coming out are being led down the right tracks and not going against what the core of these characters are. Like, he's so far removed for the publishing aspect of the comic books at this point. It's, like, they don't have his guidance to say, this is what the heart of this character right, is about. let me ask you. This is what you need to focus on. So what Before, do you feel is more important for their the grand scope of things, what do you think has done more good for the company of DC? H- has it been great comic? And I'm I'm I love comic books, but has it been the great comic books that are produced, or has it been awesome things like how successful Supergirl is? Flash Dude, is that even a real question? It it is a, it it is a real question. Flash arrow. Podcast fight. Yeah, Flash arrow, Supergirl, all those Get things the in the fuck out in of the here. mainstream. That is, come on, Ian. Come on. That question's insulting. What's more important, the comic books or a couple shows that have run like a season or a few episodes? What's it more important to the company, DC, and right Warner now Brothers or in company? the history of the company? Right now, Matt. What's more important that put that has the pushed com- the company the comic books further far. into the mainstream? Well, you're wrong, Matt, but I love comic books. I love them. I do a comic book podcast every week. Well, the- But you'd be silly if you think that the success of the TV shows aren't something that they're talking about and extremely think- excited about in the CEO. What? What? You're both. You're, you're both right. No, 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 no. One of us isn't. It's me. 
And I feel bad that I have to get into all this so late into the show. But I'm willing to do it for you, Ian, because I, I need to, to educate you. Once again, Matt, your passion, your love for the comic books is blinding you to no, the actual no, no, facts. No, no. I, I want to hear this. I'm ready. We, we explained it earlier on the show, right? Movies, TV, all that stuff, like certain looks. It's all fleeting. It's, it's here in the now. It is stuff that's going to be dated and eventually forgotten about. Comic books build upon themselves, builds upon the legacy that lasts decades. Quit rolling your eyes. I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm shaking my head in agreement with you, Matt. I'm shaking my head because I actually do agree with you, but it's not the important thing that's happening right now, man. It's not what you... They're two different. You were things. you were shaking your head like a bobblehead, and your eyes were like rolling around like. I'm like shaking my head in agreement with you, Matt, because I do agree with part of what you're saying. You're foolish to think that it is the most important thing right now to the eyes that matter in that company. If the comic books fold, the movies will go away. They are the but groundwork the comic books and the foundation. Will, but the comic books and those characters will never fold. They'll never go away. You would be silly to say that. But didn't right. you because didn't you sit here and chastise me on that very topic two weeks ago or three weeks ago? I think you fucking did. When I said, Oh, well maybe those characters might go away. That's stupid, Ian. The source material will never go away, it's, Matt. It's the comic books will never go away. It's suspected that the comic books will never go away. They've no, been according around. to Matt Casal, they'll never go away. They've yeah, been around cool. since thirty eight. 37. Right. The comic book material has always been available. But every year, sales drop further and further. Every year, you hear about the comic crisis and who's reading comics. No one's reading comics anymore. Is this the end of printed comic books? How can we get new viewers? Right. Every year, it gets Readers. worse and it gets worse and worse. So you expect... Actually, it would be viewers. You expect they wanna, eventually... They want to... Look at, look at the TVs. pictures. They want to look. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it it might not be for another hundred years after we're dead and buried. But you expect if this trend continues, years. someday comics are going to be gone, and it is just going to be the visual media. If I believe that if the comic books ever go away, the movies go away shortly after that, or more likely, the movie boom like the superhero movie boom will long be dead and comic books will still be going along whether the sales are at the peak that they are uh or at the low that they are now or if they'll peak again i don't know but they'll still be around i guarantee um the the superhero guarantee guarantee i guarantee the superhero like the movie King boom will go will, will eventually no, fade. Is that loop happens i believe that already there's some backlash on the the marvel movies um given the the way that like avengers kind of did it underperform i know that Ultron? yeah um i, I know think- that reception was fairly lukewarm and especially like in retrospect it it is right. I think it made its money, but critically, it was pay- and critically in the fans generally. It feels like in at when it first came out, it was okay, and now that people have like let it sit with them, the opinion is that it it wasn't quite what they wanted, and I feel like the the Marvel movies continue to do like the same thing over and over and over. People are kind of like used to that that 
um, that formula, and it's becoming tiresome. Do you feel like any of that negative outlook is affecting Civil War? Because I don't think so. I agree with you that Age of Ultron underperformed. It wasn't what we all wanted. People at that time were like, oh, maybe this is all the same old same. And I'm not hearing any of that with Civil War. Everybody's back sipping that Marvel Kool-Aid, getting all drunk on it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think that um, Civil War is going to be good. But would you at least admit that it's possible that the the marketing might make it look like it's going to be better or more serious than it is given what we got from Avengers 2? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's possible. Could be. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's possible. Here's the thing. Once, like... All the charisma and the actors and everything, like, kind of age and move on. Like, you know, there's never going to be a Robert Downey Jr. replacement. Um, you know, they're going to try to replace Chris... Um, Pine? Pratt. Chris... No, the other... Evans. Evans. Chris Evans. They're going to replace Chris Evans with uh, Captain America, make Falcon Captain America. People Pratt, aren't going to go for that. Evans, Kardashian, Jenner, Eccleston. Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, eventually, people are going to lose interest in the movies and the TV shows. And what will you have at the end of the day? You will have the comic books, the more tried and true. Let's not lose sight of the fact that these TV shows, you can shake your head all you want, but let's not lose sight of the fact, this is a fact, that the movies have only been a big thing for the last, like, 13 years, whereas comic books have been doing well since the 30s, okay? And even before that. But, like, the comics as we know them since the 30s. Like, let's at least, like, put some value in that. I'm not devaluing the comic books, Matt. Sure you did. Uh, as much as you would like to paint me as the villain and that, here. And that's part of um, the... You know. I don't, I don't paint you, you know, as the villain. You know, you know better than I don't paint you as the villain. Just I'm glad that the dumb. listeners of the podcast are smart enough to hear your villainy. That's part of what what's wrong is. about the... And they're just rumors, but the way that DC is going about this rebirth, tying everything more toward DC Cinematic U and the CW shows and, and Supergirl, that like this stuff is fleeting. It's and foolish as to as, chase the hot, as new much hotness. as Marvel Comics can put Jane Foster in a Thor helmet and put uh, Sam Falcon. Well, Wilson. Sam Wilson. Sam Falcon. Sam Wilson Chris, in the, Chris. In the Cap Falcon Chris uniform. Wilson. And people are still going to buy it. That's not going to be the same. Like, if they think they can kill Chris Evans and Captain America and then do a Captain America 3 with, um, what's the actor's name? Um, Sebastian, Sebastian Shaw. Shaw. I was no, going to say Stan. Uh, Falcon. Falcon's actor. The black guy. Uh, oh, no. Anthony, Mackie. Mackie. Anthony, Mackie. Anthony yeah. yeah, like if if like I, I had the, to get part of that at least. From right? all the things I've read about the about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where they expect Phase Three to go compared to where the comics are going, I feel like they think we can kill Chris Evans. We've already built this universe. It's the universe everyone loves. We can just put Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan in the cap uniform and we're just going to keep rolling and Chadwick Boseman's going to be just as good as Black Panther and he's going to pick up the torch from where Robert Downey Jr. left off as Iron Man and it's 
fucking not. Like, once this core group of lead actors leaves, you guys are done. You can get away with that on comics, because that's the fluid nature of comic books. Comics can do all that shit, because eventually, Steve Rogers is going to come back. 32-year-old, masculine muscles on muscles in his prime. And Sam Wilson's going to be right there next to him in his prime. Comics has a way of, of doing that. And at some point, Stephen Amell's going to be too old to be Arrow. And no one wants to see the kid that's playing Arsenal. He's not a lead actor. You can't fucking do it. Well, with the, what they would so likely there's do a, is reboot, so there's a, though. Right, but there's a shorter... There's a shorter time limit for this kind of thing with TV and movies, and eventually because you can always redraw Steve exactly. Rogers to look as handsome point, as he looked in the All that stuff's gonna 30s. stop, but if you just if you ignore Arrow and Flash, and you keep drawing Barry Allen and Wally West and Oliver Queen with the mustache and the goatee, you keep building all that source material. You're gonna have an unlimited well of material to use for all the reboots you want to do. Of movies and TV, you don't kill the fucking source. Yeah, the and reason why all those things are successful is because they're drawing from all these years and years and decades of great storytelling. Right. And guys, we're getting closer and closer to each of those dovetailing into each other, where they're just going to chew each other up and chew each other out. Like it, it doesn't filthy. make sense. That does sound filthy. That should be underneath the Suicide Squad light. <laughs> DC chewing each other out. <laughs> Matt, do you have a last point to make before we log off for the night? Yeah, I think that uh, if the movies keep rebooting themselves, especially when like they're they're not like under any kind of obligation to do so because like maybe an actor died or got too old to do it or the series just wasn't as good and then now it's time to like bring it back like 10, 15, 20, 25 years later. But they're rebooting when they kind of feel like, eh, that wasn't as good as we wanted it to be. Let's start over! Well, I think audiences over time are just going to be like, this is fucking stupid. Like, I'm just, like, how many times can you reboot Spider-Man? Like, let's say this is a disaster, the new Spider-Man, then they decide to reboot again. Are you even going to, like, go? I'd be like, fuck off, man. I think Spider-Man, unfortunately is on some of his last cinematic legs. He's like, on he, his seventh of his eight legs, bitch. <laughs> he, he's got one shot here. I mean, this is the one thing that everybody has gotten together and agreed upon, that this is the right hand people to handle this final Spider-Man movie, and this is finally going to set it right, and everybody's going to like, well, what if it sucks? I mean, it could. It could possibly not be that good. So that'll be interesting to see that. I'm not rooting for that. I'm not rooting for it either. I hope it's good. I think it will be good. But you can't keep rebooting stuff. So to wrap up, Suicide Squad, two thumbs up. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Wonder Woman footage, two thumbs up. Two, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. DC Rebirth, two thumbs down. I don't want... There's, there's a hope. There's a hope that maybe they realized we shouldn't have got rid of the old universe. We've set everything back up with Convergence in the Multiverse. We can go back to it. I'm kind of like Joe Queen Phoenix in uh, Gladiator. Joe Queen. Joaquin Phoenix? Joe Queen, I think is how you say it. 
where he puts his he puts his thumb out like sideways. You don't know which way he's gonna go with it. Right. So that's kind of where I stand with. We Rupert. know we know so little at this point. It, it's all speculation. So yeah, sideways thumb. The old sideways. Thumb. We're gonna wrap it up. Wrap it up there tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. And I'm Matt Casal. And we'll see you next time. Oh,